The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Um, my name's Emma. My name is Chris Gasper. My name is Ashlyn. Hi, my name is Sean. My name's Mariah Merrill. My name is Adrian Davis, and I went on the youth missions trip to Westover, West Virginia. One of the things that we did on the mission trip was a BBS. We got to do arts and crafts. And I was one of the main leaders of a games group. And we were also able to help the kids be led in worship and get excited about having God in their lives. By the end of the week, we had six different people either dedicate their lives for the first time or rededicate their lives to Christ. We worked on standing fences and sanding different buildings to try and help the church with some renovation projects. And I got to know a lot of people through that way. The people who I didn't even talk to at youth group, I now feel like are really close friends of mine because of this trip. Every night we got to do devotions and all of us got to pray at least once. I felt braver praying to God and feeling more confident. I feel like going on the trip really allowed me to try and step out in faith, made me put more trust in God because I wasn't exactly sure how the trip was gonna go. But I think by doing that, I learned to trust Him a lot more. Sometimes stepping out of faith and doing something for Him can make a big difference that I didn't even know we'd be able to do. I mean, you've gotta love how our young people, our students are leading the way in making a difference. I mean, taking summertime, taking vacation time, getting away to serve, to give back, to make a difference. And you know, that poses a question, doesn't it? I mean, in a culture that's so focused on the moment, right? Like just living for the moment, living for the immediate, how do you make a difference? How do you shift your focus rather than living for yourself and living for the moment? You can think about what truly matters, what truly makes a difference, especially, let's put it in perspective, that when you think about making a difference, often you don't know what difference you'll make until after you're no longer here to know whether you made a difference. Think about it, right? Like it's true. Most famous painters didn't know they were famous painters. Most people's impact isn't found until after they're gone and history looks back on them. So how do you know if you're, if you're making a difference and if you're making the right difference? Well, I thought, who better to invite to have come preach with me than our youth pastor, Pastor Akoe. So come on up. And uh, as he's coming, you give him a round of applause. In, in fact, this is his, uh, like, this is your, like, cameo moment, man. Like, this is your uh, maiden voyage of preaching. And so I invited him to come preach with me. And so, hey, as we jump in, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in youth ministry. I think you have something exciting to share with us. Yeah, first, uh, thank you. Thank you for this uh, opportunity to speak, but thank you for the, this, the continued investment uh, into young people like me. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I've been going to LifeHouse nearly my entire life, and I was actually at the very first meeting of LifeHouse Youth as a student in seventh grade, so uh, it's awesome to share this, but it's also thank you for the investment you've had uh, into me. You got to meet uh, my wife earlier, Pastor Courtney, so she's the children's pastor, so she passes birth up to fifth grade, I get to take over in sixth grade and take students all the way through high school, which is a super awesome privilege. And today, uh, we're dedicating our son Cornelius, which we're super excited for in the next service. So <laughs> that's, an, that's, an awesome, that's an awesome thing. 
Uh, and then in, in, in Next Gen, you saw a good bit of that in the video. That missions trip was, it was a tremendous thing. One of the biggest trips Lifehouse has, has gone on uh, in the U.S. and seeing students leading, seeing like six people is an incredible thing. You get to see it with the students on the worship team. Uh, but not just this Sunday, every Sunday, we've been averaging about 35 uh, students serving on our weekend services. Wow. Uh, which is incredible. But wow. uh, save, save your celebration because not only are they serving, they're leading in significant ways. We have like fourth and fifth graders that are leading large group in our preschool environment. We have several students that lead weekly in our, pre- in our nursery We have high school students that are leading a life group specifically for our fifth graders. We have students that are on our adult worship team uh, across multiple campuses. And then in Chambersburg, they have an entire student-led tech team for their adult services, which is incredible. Not only are students showing up, they're leading. And we believe that is uh, very specific for, for youth ministry as well. Yeah. So this, this next move of youth ministry, the next phase of youth ministry is all about movement. And when you hear the movement, movement's going to be, the, uh, it's going to replace Lifehouse Youth. And there's a very strategic reason behind it. You could say, oh, it's a cool name. It's a cool image. You get to see some stuff up on the screen. But the idea behind movement is Gen Alpha, Gen Z is moving faster and further than ever mm-hmm. before. And we want to equip them with the tools they need to be a movement everywhere they go, to be a movement here at church. We're seeing that already in their schools, in their homes, in their family, everywhere. You're going to see that those kind of three pillars, and they represent the wonder we want to have for God, the discovery we want to have of ourselves and how we can connect with others, and the passion we can have to uh, love and serve God. That's good. Man, we're excited for this. And so what you're seeing is like a new brand. Uh, so anywhere where you see movement, that's the Lifehouse Youth Ministry happening there. And you guys got it at all three campuses. Yeah. So we're excited for that. And hey, let me, let me ask you, it's like shifting into what, what, what we want to talk about and focus on. It's part of our message. Is this idea that so often we got young people living for the moment. Frankly, not just young people, right? We got us caught up in living for the moment. Now, I'm wondering first, if you ever personally experienced that? And then secondly, um, what does that look like in our students today? Yeah, I think what first comes to mind is uh, right as I was finishing high school, I had this like 10-year detailed plan, written out plan of exactly what I was going to do with my life. And I, I, I knew exactly uh, where I was going to go to school, how, how long I was going to be in school, what I was going to do after school. Uh, and then the first semester uh, of school, and maybe you guys can relate to this, I took a class totally out of the blue, just like a prerequisite what, a dance class. And it was, I had so much fun in the moment, so much fun in that one moment that I go to my advisor, I completely change my major, completely forfeit that plan and spend that expect two and a half years just enjoying the moment. Live in one moment to the next, actually even being rewarded for the moment. The moment started to feel really safe, really mm-hmm. comfortable. Yeah. And then the idea of that future, that, that impact, began to fade away. Where it was just this one moment led to sets of moments where the future kind of faded away. And uh, today, with our Gen Alpha, our Gen Z, I feel like I can speak into this because I'm actually like the older Gen Z myself. Uh, <laughs> all my friends just, just, just want to be uh, famous for living for the moment. We all kind of caught up in moments. Yeah. We, uh, it's, one, it's one like, it's one trending story. If you go to Spotify, you go to Netflix, you go to any platform, you have that top 10 trend and it's pushing it at you. And if you feel like, if you miss it, if you're not caught up in the moment, if you're not stuck in the moment, you feel like you can miss out. You feel like you miss out on the, the friends you have, the impact you have, how you can relate to others. 
because the moment is what's driving us. Yeah, and you know, and that's like a trend. I don't even know if this is a thing anymore, so it shows you how dated I am. But like <laughs> the idea of like FOMO, right? Like fear of yeah, missing out. Absolutely. Of like, you know, just like I got to be in the moment. I don't want to miss out on the moment. And, uh, and you know, he, he, I, I fear that what it leads to is not just we live for the moment, but we live for ourselves. Yeah. We become so self focused, right? And I, I want to bring you into a, a passage of scripture. It's a, it's a story from ancient uh, history in the nation of Israel, where there was a defining moment in the life of a leader. His name was Joshua. Joshua is responsible for taking over leadership after Moses. You ever heard of him? So Moses is kind of a big deal in the nation of Israel. He led the nation of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. And then, he, and then the nation lives in the wilderness, in the desert for the next 40 years. When Moses dies, God has Joshua take over leadership, and his responsibility is to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. Now, this is the, the territory that they're supposed to live in, and they've been looking forward to this as generations for 400 years while in slavery. And Joshua's responsibility is to lead this nation into this promise. But right at this moment, so this, this is the critical moment, he, he's at the point where he's getting ready to lead them into their first battle. They would have to go through Jericho in order to get into the promised land. Jericho is, is a fortress. Think, think of not, it's not a city. It's more like one of the most secure fortresses and you gotta pass through it to get into the promises of God, into the promised land. And, and so this is, this is a night before he's gonna go into the land and, and this is a defining moment to decide whether Joshua is going to lead for himself or it's going to matter for something more. And so I want to jump in and just read this to you. It's Joshua chapter 5, and we're going to just camp out on a few of these verses here. Uh, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, where it simply reads this way. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up, and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him, and he asked, are you for us? or for our enemies? Yeah, so Joshua, this warrior, asks a warrior question, asks a reasonable question. Are you for me, or are you for my enemies? Many scholars would believe that that man that Joshua is talking to is Jesus pre-incarnate, Jesus before Christmas. He's going up to Jesus, going up to God, hey, are you gonna help me get through this fortified city into the promise that you gave me? Mm -hmm. uh, or are you going to be in my way? And how often do we ask that same question? Yeah. We ask it of God, God, are you going to take me where I feel like I should go? But we ask it in every situation. We ask it to every person. Every friendship you have, you've gone through it. Uh, you ask even in your own family, is this, is this going to help benefit my family? Is it going to help benefit me within my family, uh, I, I even, you even talking about like commuting, I recently been a lot of construction on my way to work, uh, so I had to decide to go a different way, but I decided to go the other way, and uh, then there was a festival, so I ended up being later, so one moment led to another moment that actually negatively impacted, but, but we, we get so caught up in one moment to one moment that we miss the, the impact the moments can have, when the, the defining moments mm -hmm. can have. We're constantly analyzing, is, is this situation, is this opportunity going to help or is it going to hinder, is it going to get in our way? We can actually, this balancing scale can be an inhibitor. It can get in the way of the greatest potential and the greatest purpose we have for our life because we're just constantly battling. Is this going to help? Is this going to hurt? And we miss out that there's, there's more to it than that. There's more than the moment. There's more than just this back and forward. 
So we have to get to like Joshua where we'll realize in just a moment that it's more than, than one moment. There's more to the story. There's more to what's happening. In the next verse in Joshua 5.14, it says, neither. So this man says, neither, he said. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Wow. So there it is, right? Like here, here is this defining moment in the life of Joshua, right? So you're talking about a commander, a leader of a nation who's confronted by a guy with a sword out. And his question is an obvious question. He said, it's a warrior question. Are you for us or against us? And the commander of the armies of heaven, right? Like that's just a, that's a really, I mean, imagine you're like, you know, you're walking down the street and there's, I mean, I don't know. I hope I don't meet anybody with a, a drawn sword, right? But there's like this critical moment and the commander of the armies of heaven says, no, I'm not for you or against you. But as the commander of the heavenly armies, I've come. And Joshua bows down. Oh, what message do you have for me? See, like there's a, it's about finding your right place in the story of God, right? And so here, here's the challenge. Here's the takeaway. The defining moment for Joshua was this. Was he trying to get God to be part of his story or was he willing to become part of the story of God, right? And there it is. And what that defines is whether your life will be about you or whether you will make your life about the story of God. And so the, it comes down to this. And this is a powerful challenge when I think about whether we're living for the moment or we're living for a movement, hey, I'll borrow that from you, right? <laughs> About making a difference, something significant, and it's this. I wanna challenge every one of us to live a legacy, right? Notice I didn't say leave a legacy. And the idea behind leaving a legacy is I don't really know what difference I'm making, right? As an illustration, uh, the, the famous movie, I haven't seen it, but uh, Oppenheimer came yeah. out, right? And it's the story of the Manhattan Project of building the atomic bomb, right? And they didn't know what difference they were gonna make in the moment. But afterward, you see the impact. And, and some of them, and I don't know, again, I don't know if this came out in the movie. I know, I know the, the story of it, the biography. Do you want to ruin it? Give it away. Uh, but I know for a fact, many of the people involved in it regretted their investment into the Manhattan Project, they looked back and they went, oh no, right? The legacy they left was not what they wanted to leave behind. And that's true of so many different stories and biographies of people who they thought they were doing one thing that was good and they turned out to be something very bad. And so my challenge is not to leave a legacy and you don't know what difference you're making, but to live a legacy. So why, why, why do we get caught up in living for the moment or trying to make a difference, but end up making the, a difference that we didn't want to make. And it's this, here's the deal, right? The reason we live for the moment is there's something in us that's fractured and broken, right? Let me, let me connect the dots for you. You were designed to make a difference. Deep inside of every one of us, somewhere in the DNA of who we are, we were, we were made to make a difference, but something is broken inside of us as well. At a spiritual level, something has been fractured. And as a result of us being spiritually fractured, fractured, we settle for the moment because we can't see eternity. And when we live for the moment, we're driven by sin. 
a spiritual sabotaging curse that sets us up to live for ourselves and live for the moment. Or, or it sabotages our best intentions. So we think we're doing good things, but what we think is good is really bad. At the, at the core, this under, underlying sin problem either causes us to live for the moment or to make a difference that's not at all the difference we thought we were making. And, and that's not even the worst part. The worst part of sin is that it sets us up for a forever far from God. And so God intervened in our story. We're, we're reading a story way before the time of Jesus. And, and Pastor Coe said that the commander of the armies of heaven that appeared to Joshua was very likely, you know, many people believe or scholars believe that this was Jesus before Christmas. So Jesus shows up before the battle to confront Joshua on whether he's going to live for the moment and make it about himself, or he's going to live focused on the legacy and the story of God. Jesus came at Christmas to intervene in our story, to get involved in the middle of our battle, a spiritual battle between us and sin. Jesus stepped from heaven to earth to intervene in our story, but not just to fight and win our battle, but to take on the blows of our battle with sin and death. Jesus dies in our place. And when he died, he died once for all so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven, right? If you think about Joshua leading the people into the promised land, Jesus, this, the great commander of all of the armies of heaven, intervenes in our story, dies in our place to lead us into the promise of forgiveness. But Jesus doesn't just die, right? He rises from the dead, victorious over sin, victorious over the fear of death, victorious over eternal judgment. So when you and I believe in Jesus, we're not just forgiven, we are given new and forever life. And so, hey, let me, let me call a time out here. If, you're, if, you, if you look at your own life and you say, yeah, I'm probably living for the moment, or I don't know what difference I'm really making, maybe even the difference you're making in your own family, can I challenge and encourage you the only answer for this problem is Jesus. The, the truth is we would agree that the only answer for this young generation about getting trapped and living for the moment is Jesus. Yeah. The only answer to know whether the, what difference you're making is really gonna be a positive difference or a negative difference is Jesus. And, and so can I challenge you and encourage you, maybe what you step you need to take right now is first making a commitment to Jesus. And if that's where you're at, we wanna, we wanna not only cheer you on and celebrate you, can I challenge you? Talk to someone about this. Let someone know the decision you're making to say yes to Jesus by faith. Tell a friend, man, young people, if you're making that decision, tell a classmate at school, tell your parents, man, talk to your neighbors about the decision you're making. The point is, if you're saying yes to Jesus, let somebody else who doesn't know Jesus also know. All right, and then let us know. If you could, scan the QR code up on the screen. Our campus pastors wanna follow up with you and encourage you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. And we wanna cheer you on because we know that you need the encouragement. Now, here, here's what happens. When you say yes to Jesus, God's spirit, which is internal, eternal and invisible, comes and lives inside of our spirit. And when God's spirit is living in our spirit, God begins to shape us into no longer living just for the moment or living for ourselves, which makes the wrong kind of difference, but empowers us to look to eternity and truly live a legacy. So let me jump back into this story. And we want to give you some really practical tools on how you can live a legacy, not just leave a legacy and not just live for the moment. So here we go. We're going to jump in uh, the context, right? So let me, let me bring you back up to speed. 
Joshua's approaching Jericho. He's confronted by a, a warrior with a drawn sword. Are you for us or against us, you know, for our enemies? Neither. I've come as the commander of the armies of heaven. Oh, right, so far. And then he says, what message do you have for me? And that's where our story picks up. It, the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Accept God's invitation to be a co-author in your story. What Joshua recognized in this moment is he could keep living for the moment. He could keep battling this for or against. But Jesus, this warrior says, it's, it's neither. I'm writing a story. Can you write it with me? Do you want to write it with me? And Joshua says, yeah, I accept that invitation. I'm going to take off my sandals. I'm going to walk into your story. I'll walk into the story that you're already writing, and I'm going to continue to write. You'll see a book cover up on the screen. It says, your new playlist. It says, New York Times bestselling author, John Acuff. And then it lists his two daughters uh, in, in smaller print. I thought this was such a cool example yeah. of what it looks like to co-author with God. God's that New York Times bestselling author. It's God's name nice and big <laughs> on our book. And, we just, and our name on our book is to just be with Okoe Chappelle, with Patrick Grash, with, yeah. with whoever. We just get to be, be a part of the story that God's writing. More than that, how, how crazy would it be if a New York Times bestselling author approached you? An actual author approached you and they say, hey, do you want to write a book together? Do you want to write a New York Times bestselling book? And you were to say to them, yeah, it's a great idea. I get the big name. I get, I get the one, the name that, that's nice and big, fat on the pages, and you get to be the small one. Now, it'd be, it'd be crazy. It would, the, the author would probably say no, for one, but, but for two, it, it, would, it would be inconsiderate. It would be, we'd be missing that moment. It, it, there's, there's a holiness to the moment that, that Joshua encountered. There's a holiness to what's going on there, where the angel of the Lord is saying, take off your sandals, this place is holy. And Joshua says, yeah, I recognize what's going on here. I recognize that you're the big author. And I just get the, the, the privilege to take off my sandals and walk into your story. What would it look like if we were to do the same? If we were to say, hey, I have my sandals of, of the things that I want to do. I have my sandals of, of my aspirations, of my goals. But I'm going I'm to take those away. I'm just going to walk into God's story. I'm not going to be focused on leaving a legacy, but I'm going to say I'm going to live out. I'm going to walk out. Yeah. The legacy right now. I'm gonna walk out whatever God has for me, whatever that legacy looks like. The truth is, it is your choice. You can choose, hey, I'm gonna write my story my way, and that's all it would be. It could, it could, be, it could even be yeah. a big story. It could even be a story that might have some impact, but it will just be your story. Or you can say, hey, I'm gonna take the little name, and I'm gonna write, I'm gonna be a part of God's story, God's way. When we say, hey, I'm going to do that, I'm going to take the little name, things change. You have that choice of your story, your way, or God's story, God's way. But the truth is, history makes it clear that it's God's story, God's way that has the impact. It has, it has more generational impact. It has more impact in relationship, in, in history, in every single way. I think, Patrick, I think you hit on some of these things in our previous series of just the impact the church has had, the impact God's story has had. Yeah. And when we are part of that, we see it play out. Joshua saw it play out. This is the moment that kind of defined it, but then we see it later on in his life, 
how, how he said, I'm gonna take off my sandals, I'm gonna follow into your story, we see at the very end of his life how it impacted not just him, not just the people around him, but the nation and the nation going forward. In Joshua 24, 15, we say, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But for as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. My household, we're gonna walk in God's story. A little bit later in the same chapter in verse 31, we say, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. Yeah, I hope you caught that. Now, first, you read one of the verses that's probably one of the most famous verses in the book of Joshua. Some of you didn't even know that was from Joshua, where he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And and he's saying this at the end of his life, right? And, And there's this transition moment where Joshua is passing the baton of leadership over to the elders of the nation. And he's saying, as for me and my house, not just we, we will serve the Lord, but we have served the Lord. We will continue to serve the Lord, but now it's up to you. What are you gonna do with this, right? So you can see it's this moment, it's this passing baton moment. And then the, then the, the, the way the book of Joshua concludes, literally the last few verses, it says, and the nation of Israel served the Lord during the life of Joshua, so, so long as he was alive, and the elders that led with him. So clearly Joshua had impacted other people so that they would lead and the nation followed them and continued to serve God so long as they were alive. The challenge is, this is both the triumph and the tragedy of the story of Joshua. Yes, they served the Lord, the whole nation, so long as Joshua and the elders were alive or any of them were alive. It implies something, doesn't it? That if they're not alive, the nation turned its back on God. And if you jump ahead to the next book of the Bible, which is the book of Judges, there's a theme that runs throughout the stories. And it says this. So this is after the elders and Joshua were dead. It says, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. In essence, they were living for the moment. They were just doing whatever felt good to them. And so here's the lesson. What's the principle that jumps out of this story? It's this. You and I. So when... You're inv- in, when you accept God's invitation to become a co-author in your own story, right? Like meaning you're not the lead, God's writing your story and you're saying, God, I, I don't want it to be my story, my way. I want it to be your story, your way. When you accept that invitation, here's the challenge. You don't get to write the story. You don't get a co-author with God alone. You have a responsibility to write and invite others into the story. So the challenge you have is this, invite others to share in the God-written story. I, I love the way you described it, this idea of, you know, God gets the big name and we're just the with, right? We're just like with, with us. And I, I, I've said, I, at a recent night of worship, I, I said it this way. I said, I would rather, I mean, you have a choice, right? You, you could write an autobiography of your life that's a volt, multi-volume, you know, back in my day, the Encyclopedia Britannica set, right? Like some of you, you've lived incredible lives. You have a multi-volume autobiography. But I'd rather be a comma and a sentence on a page in the story of God than to be a multi-volume autobiography of my own making. And if it's just the autobiography, as you said, what, what's, how does the story end? What's the point? What was the plot? 
Who knows? You won't know. When you put down the pen of your own life, you won't know what the plot or the point of the story was. It will be for others to judge. But if you're willing to be a comma, a word, a sentence on the page of the story of God, we know exactly how that story ends. We know exactly the plot and the point of the story because it's making much of God, and that's Joshua. Joshua yields and says, it's not my story, my way. It's God, your story, your way. I'll make much of you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the nation follows his example, but the tragedy is that they did not effectively pass the pen to the next generation in writing, this, in writing a God story. So let me, let me challenge with this. That's why we're doing this today. I thought, what better weekend, what better opportunity than to model this for you? I, I love preaching. If you could, hopefully you can tell that. I, I love what I get the privilege of doing. I, I love to preach. But you ever notice that uh, I don't preach every weekend? We have several great pastors and communicators. Some of them, you would love to hear preach more than me. Don't, don't, you don't have to come make me feel better. I know. I'm okay with that. I've helped train them. Everybody you see speak on the platform, every person that speaks on this platform, I have personally been involved in training them. They go through a preaching practicum. Pastor Coey went through a preaching practicum. His wife, Courtney, went through a preaching practicum. Every person who's been up here has been trained to preach. Why? Because it's not about me. You want to know why we're okay with doing uh, sermons on video at our other campuses and online? Because we say this, we, it's not about the messenger. It's about the message. You want to know why I'm willing to share the platform? Because it's not about the, it's not about the messenger. It's about the message. And I'm passionate. And I believe Lifehouse is passionate about shoulder tapping the next generation, about investing into and raising up others, about making sure. Here, here you, you can tell I'm getting passionate. It's good. <laughs> making sure that the story of God written through the church is not that they serve the Lord through the life of Patrick and the pastors that are serving right now, but that the day comes when we pass into the background and the next generation receives the baton and they lead the church and they train up the next generation. Now, hopefully you're quickly connecting the dots that this isn't about me or Pastor Akoe, right? Like we're doing it. We're modeling. Our responsibility is to make sure that you like, you follow our lead. That one, you don't get frustrated if you don't hear me preaching because now you recognize, oh, what, what Pastor Patrick is doing is training up the next generation of pastors and leaders, of investing into them so that we can go further and have greater impact so we can launch campuses and church plants so that our pastors can reach more students and children because it's about making a difference. But hey, here's the deal. It's not centered just on the pastors. It's tag your it. Now, tag your it does not mean, hey, we're trying to invest into you so that you can write a story. It's how are you investing into the next generation? How are you inviting others to share in the God-written story? So this is important because this does not happen by accident. Do you think that we have people up, up here capable of communicating and preaching well by accident? No, I had to strategically sit down, craft a preaching practicum curriculum, create a platform and an opportunity for others to preach and then invite them into it, 
train them, give them practice sessions, give them opportunities to preach in our staff chapel so that they can learn and develop their giftedness. Your children will not become passionate followers of Jesus by accident. You must be intentional. How are you modeling to them a devotion to the word of God? the practice of prayer? How are you modeling to them the basic spiritual disciplines? You've got to invite them into the story. How are you showing them generosity toward God, toward others? How are you modeling for them serving God, the church, others well? And by the way, if you think I'm only speaking to parents, I'm not. Every one of you have an opportunity to influence those that are younger than you and younger in their faith than you. Every one of you have someone that you can invite into the God-written story. So tag your it. How are you modeling it? And then how are you inviting them into it? How are you giving them responsibility? How are you letting them participate? That's, you know, if you pray over the meal, do you, do you invite your kids to pray? If you're doing something of a spiritual exercise, do you invite others to join you? You're, you're a business professional. When was the last time you took someone out to coffee just to sit down and mentor them in, the, in their faith in Jesus Christ? You see what I'm saying? That's, that's past inviting others to share in a God-written story. So he, here's what we want to do. We're going we're gonna to take a moment. We're going to pray over you. I asked Pastor Cole if he would pray over the next gen, our young people, our students, because we believe that within the, within the hearing of this sermon, we got young people that are gonna be marketplace leaders for Jesus. Business leaders, professionals, contract workers, leaders in their community and in their homes. We believe that a next generation is gonna be the, the pastors, the church planters, the campus leaders, the communicators of the gospel, missionaries. And so we wanna pray over them that they would be willing to be part of a God-written story. They would let God co-author their life. So I'm going to have you go ahead. Would you go ahead and lead us in prayer? Would you agree with us? God, I pray for a rich anointing over the young people in this room, over the young people of this church. God, right now that you would stir something in them, you know, even our youngest people, they'd be like, I don't know what it looks like to, to live out a legacy, but God, I want to be more connected to you. God, that's what it looks like. It looks like saying, hey, I'm just going to be a part of your story. God, I know that there is members of our church. I know there's young people in our church that are already living this out in tremendous ways. God, I pray for that to be a multiplication. God, I pray that there be a move of young people right now eager to share faith with their friends. God, would there be an increase in kids' ministry, an increase in youth ministry, not because of any of the work of the adults, but because of how eager young people are to get other young people in, to get their friends, to get their family, to get the ones that are connected with, saying, God's changed my life, God can, God can change your life, and God, it starts right now, and it keeps going. God, I pray that, that, that the anointing today carries on, God, for all the future marketplace workers. God, for all the business owners, for the doctors, for the nurses, for everyone who who's, becomes a parent, who has a, an influence at some point in their life. God, would you right now begin to just pour into those seats? God, would we just begin to invest into them and would they just grow to do greater things than we ever could? God, I pray for every future church plan, every future pastor. God, I pray for the high school students, the middle school students, even the elementary school students right now that are saying, that could be me one day. God, that they have the courage to say, to tell an adult, to tell someone, and that we can begin to train and equip them even right now, God. God, because there was places for them here. God, would they know that there was places for them to grow and to develop and to do great things here. 
Now I want to take a moment. I want to pray over people with influence, parents, teachers, leaders, anybody who can influence the next generation. Would you let me just pray over you? Heavenly Father, thank you for these individuals. They carry a unique weight, a unique responsibility. Some of them are struggling with what influence and difference they're making. Some are scared that maybe the the worst qualities of them are bleeding into those that they impact. So God, I pray first peace over them. God, I pray your power over them. God, I pray that you would raise up from within this audience, within our church, parents, teachers, leaders, influencers, people who are gonna impact the next generation of believers and students. God, I pray that you would, you would help them to have a humility that, that impacts this next generation. God, like Joshua, may they choose to not live for themselves or for the moment, but see the future and say, I wanna live a legacy. I want to invest into others intentionally. I want to give my life away. I want, to, I want to allow God to write a story through my life, and I want to invite others to be part of that story. God, would you, would you give them wisdom to lead well? Wisdom to make right decisions and wisdom to model the way of Jesus to those around them. Lord, we're praying for this that when it's our time, and for some of us, we need to pass the baton sooner than later. God, as we pass it, would, would the next generation not just continue to follow you until we're gone, but may it be passed on generation after generation after generation. May the church grow stronger. May Christianity spread in influence and impact. And we ask this now in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.